Hello, welcome to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast. This episode is brought to you by Axiona Energia, proudly bringing solar power to Union County and the Buckeye State. My name is Michael Williamson, and I'm here today with Mac Cordell, reporter, Chad Williamson, managing editor, and Kayleen Petrovia, reporter. All right, so today on the show, we're going to talk about a petition that's being circulated at the moment in reference to some annexed land out on Route 245. Uh, some residents and property owners um, saw that the, the city is interested in developing that land in, into you know some residential uh, property. And so that got us thinking about the process of getting a referendum on the ballot and kind of referendums in general and kind of what that means for the future. So where do we want to begin? Well, I think I'll talk a little bit about um, the actual uh, petition that's being circulated right now um on uh on november 14th uh city council approved the annexation and rezoning of about um but 265 acres i believe uh on route 245 near um route 33 um kind of just on the west side of the city and that's zip lining park or whatever it was, wakeboarding yeah, park. I think it's right in that area, maybe. Yes, it is in that area. And I always find that area a little bit confusing. I've been here for 15 years and still find that area a little bit confusing. But um, the uh, the plan is to uh, put about a 635 home development into that area. Um it would also have a couple outlots and would have a school. The the vote on that was actually stalled while uh, council got some further clarification because there was some confusion. That area is not set up for the infrastructure is not set up for 600 homes. Uh, the developer was willing to put in the infrastructure to make that suitable for those homes. Uh, ODOT was not going to allow them to do that. And so there was this kind of back and forth between the city and the developer and ODOT. Eventually, when, once the once ODOT, I think, got a good look at what they were the developer was planning, ODOT said, go ahead. And the developer has has committed about two and a half million dollars up front uh, to put in a traffic signal, a left turn lane off of the exit ramp uh, and some other some other things to make that area much more suitable and to, to improve the infrastructure there to handle the, the, those cars, uh, as well as uh, committed about a half a million dollars once the development is going to take care of any problems that um, maybe were unforeseen. This was a 5-2 vote by city council, and, and they had had uh, several public hearings on this. And to a large degree, the public comment to city council was opposed to this. Uh, They were neighbors. They were people who lived kind of in that area, whether they lived in the city or outside the city, but that they didn't want this happening. But there was also, I think, an understanding that, hey, this area needed needs some improvements. And, And the residents out there said this area needs improvements, even if even if the development doesn't come, they need the improvements. So the city, the city wants that side of town to grow, though. Also, yes. I mean, I think it's one of those situations where the people that live over there like the sleepy nature of that side of town, right? But the city has, for a long time, said we need more balanced growth around the city, 
And that side of town and wasn't particularly growing. No. Correct. When when the Kroger went in in that area, the city actually paid extra money to put in a much larger uh, utility lines out there so that they would be able to 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 house, you know, to, to handle something larger. So they've been planning on this to grow for quite some time. Um, despite the public comment at the time that, hey, we don't want this from the small group of residents that, that went to council, uh, council did approve it 5-2. Uh, last week, um, the city received a notice of intent to circulate petitions, and that's the first step of of a referendum and they have started circulating petitions to essentially overturn the 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 annexation and the rezoning actually it would just be the annexation they don't need to re, they don't need to overturn the annexation or the rezoning if the annexation fails um, so they need it's a little bit unsure how many signatures they need, but they they're gonna need about 825, I think, is what's gonna what they're going to need. Um, they have had several meetings at the American Legion Hall. Uh, they've been circulating petitions at I know at the Christmas uh, at the Christmas parade. Um, so I believe that they're going to get the the 800 signatures that they need. They do have to be city residents and yeah. do they have to be registered voters? They do have to be city residents and registered voters. So once they get all of the signatures, they will give them to the city. The city will submit them to the Board of Elections and the Board of Elections will have to go through and verify, one, that they are city residents and B, that they are um, registered voters. If they have enough signatures from city residents, registered voters, they will, it will go on the ballot. Uh, but it will not go on the ballot until November of next year. And at city council last night, Alan Seymour and, and several others questioned the law director, hey, is there any way we could get this on the ballot sooner? Because they understand that this essentially delays any of those infrastructure improvements by a year Um you know, that's... in November also puts you into the end of construction season, too. So right. you're not going to start widening a, widening a road in December. Right. That is... So. And, and that's just... I think there's an understanding that this essentially pushes everything back at least a year. So even if the referendum attempt fails and, and the, the project moves forward, it moves forward a year behind schedule. So uh, that's where... That's where the uh, and and uh, law director uh, Tim Austin here said no, the statute is very clear. It needs to be the next general election. So that's where that will that's where that is. And the reason we wanted to talk about this today, pretty quickly, as the petitions are going around, but also we're in kind of a unique situation in that in our newsroom we have a lot of experience with referendums. Mm-hmm. Because Kayleen has been covering them for the amount of time I've been here, yeah, three years. Jerome Township, the residents of Jerome Township, or at least a section of those residents, are are well versed in how to get referendums on the ballot and have been successful with them. I will say successfully 
the vote on the referendums was successful. I don't know if the entire outcome you would call successful. So I guess if Kayleen wants to talk about Jerome Township's uh, experience with referendum, it might shed a little light on maybe, and then maybe we'll come back and revisit Marysville again, but it'll shed some light on potentially what Marysville could be looking at if this this uh, referendum uh, movement progresses. So. Yeah, I think in the three years I've been here, I don't think there's been a single election that a referendum has not been on the ballot um, in Jerome, regarding Jerome Township. So it's very, very common there. And I tried to kind of lay out a timeline over about the past year and a half just to illustrate a pattern of what happens there to kind of show perhaps what could happen in Marysville or maybe the track that they could be on. So I think to speak about this, I'll start in May 2021. And they had a 40 home development on the ballot, a referendum on the rezoning of about 25 acres on McKittrick Road. So this area, the trustees rezoned from rural residential district to planned development district. This is a rezoning that's often before the township trustees. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time in Jerome. And very frequently, a group of residents gets together, circulates petitions, and is able to get referendums on the ballot for this type of rezoning. So that happened in May 2021. And I think to show the sentiment in that area, 85% of voters voted to overturn the rezoning. So it was a very strong statement against this. Did they have any particular argument against that development? So for that specific development, I think the biggest issue with the plan for it is that a wooded area would be destroyed. So they were arguing for this natural preservation. They didn't want to see these trees be destroyed. But a lot of the residents who spoke out against this development also said they hoped that this really strong no vote illustrated to trustees that they did not like the growth that they were seeing in the township. And some residents spoke to me. It's included in stories. So I think they hoped that this would illustrate a bigger picture, not just this specific. And that's not a really 40 homes is I mean, it's big if it's next to you. But Mm -hmm. from a development standpoint, it's not. Okay, yeah, development. 80, 80%, 80% of voters turning out to say, we don't want this to save trees and stop 40 homes is mm-hmm. pretty yeah. amazing, actually. I don't know that you could get 80% of voters to say, we like candy. I mean, that's a ridiculous. Yeah. I think it was about 500 voters against to like 125 for. So mm-hmm. Well, was, not, not to get too far ahead, but I think that it's, that theme is also going to come up again as we go forward as a kind of, there's an underlying anti-growth i think that mm-hmm. is, no, part, I think is we'll, part of this conversation we'll probably talk about that with marysville <laughs> if that's in the future for them but right so it's like a little it's kind of twofold in that regard yeah definitely and i think i bring that up because this kind of served as the spark of really a huge thing that's happened in jerome township over the past year and a half so after that vote in may 2021 three groups of developers landowners that had seen the same thing happen to their developments the trustees had rezoned land from rural residential to planned development so that paved the way for a larger residential development then residents circulated a petition got a referendum on the ballot and struck it down so this is a pattern that's happened again and again so these three people that have experienced that got together and sued the township a civil lawsuit in federal court and they said only the township was a defendant on this, not the specific trustees. And they said the township violated their rights 
they were blocking them from their constitutional right to develop land. So this was the homestead at Scott's Farms, which was a 248 home development, Rolling Meadows, originally proposed as a 378 home development, and then the farm at Indian Run, which is that 40 home development we just spoke about. And if I remember right, their argument was your own plan, your own comprehensive plan says in the future, we'd like to see homes there. So, and then exactly they tried to put homes in line with the comprehensive to, to plan. To do what the comp plan said. The trustees exactly. laid out and they said, well, you know, we mm-hmm. did exactly what you wanted. We've wasted all this money moving forward here, and then mm-hmm. this happened. Yep, that was their exact development or their exact argument against this. And so, in this lawsuit, they were seeking for all of the land to be rezoned as initially approved by the trustees, the development plans for the residential neighborhoods to be approved, and then permanent injunctions to be put in place so that the land could never be rezoned back to rural residential and that the trustees couldn't vote later on to reject these plans. So essentially, yeah. yeah, and eventually they asked for financial damages yeah, I was, too. I, I thought I remembered money being <laughs> involved also. The biggest thing was that they wanted these to be rezoned and the developments to be approved. But essentially all that does is put it back to pre-referendum, yeah. a pre-referendum situation. In my mind, the money's a big piece. I mean... I mean, residents are allowed to do whatever they want, but the township trustees were just kind of in the middle of this thing, and I don't even remember what was it. How much was it? Do we know? So, yes. So I can tell you the money that was actually paid to each of the developers that was involved. That kind of comes a little bit later down the timeline. Um, But it was about a quarter of a million dollars that ended up being paid out between four developers because it started out with three. And when I say developers, I mean the actual companies developing, but also landowners were involved as well. Um, so after this initial lawsuit was filed, Jerome Village Company joined in the lawsuit because they saw essentially the same thing happen with their village neighborhood 10, a subdevelopment within the larger Jerome Village. So then Jerome Township saw this really high-powered developer that plays a huge role in their area join into this civil lawsuit. And a couple weeks later, Jerome Township filed a motion to dismiss the civil lawsuit. They essentially argued against what Chad brought up earlier, that the developers had no no guarantee that the land they were purchasing would be rezoned to accommodate the developments that they foresaw. And they also made an interesting argument. They said that Um, they were afraid this would set a precedent that Jerome Township residents' voices wouldn't be able to be heard because developers could just sue if a referendum was approved. Well, ultimately, the plaintiffs offered a settlement. This would have required the township to pay $13.4 million, (laughs) and the charges would have gone up depending on how long it took them to actually settle. And along with that, it would have rezoned all the land and approved all the development plans. So in the face of that settlement, that was in October, then in December, the township trustees approved a consent decree, an agreement that would have approved all of the developments, rezoned all of the land, but the payout would have been about $250,000 from the township as opposed to $13.4 million. And I will say a huge part of this consent decree was that Jerome Village Company, which is the group that got involved later on, offered to pay $400,000, a one-time payment, 
for these different improvements that residents had spoken out against in regard to different developments in the area. Jerome Village Company would also pay $125,000 every year for the next 10 years for different developments throughout the township. And they would add an additional $1 million payment to the $5.5 million they've already agreed to pay for the second Jerome Township Fire Department fire station. So the township did end up paying out $25,000 to one developer, $25,000 to another, and $200,000 to the third. But in return, (laughs) they got a large chunk of cash also. So this was ultimately approved by the trustees, and then the judge overseeing this case said it seemed to be a fair deal. The trustees were in favor of it. Both sides were getting financial damages, and these developments that weren't in line with a comprehensive plan were being approved. So he saw no issue with it. But I think something that's really interesting in all of this is the Ohio Revised Code allows townships to overrule the decision of a referendum election only through a court-approved agreement. So if the judge says this is a fair agreement, the township trustees can overturn the referendum election results. And there's no requirement in this section of Ohio Revised Code that would make this subject to another referendum. So this decision can't go back to the electors. Instead, the only requirement is that the township holds a public hearing and lets the residents speak their opinion, which is great. They can make their voices heard, but it ultimately doesn't influence right. the decision. Puts it on the record. But let them yeah. blow off steam, but so, ultimately there's no outcome, no change in outcome right. there. Yeah. So this whole process happened where A group of developments that were stalled by referendums sued the townships, went through months of legal wrangling to come to an agreement that they would go back to the decision that was initially made. And then I think the really interesting thing that came out of all of this is the judge approved the consent decree at the end of 2021, early 2022. And on January 18th, 2022, this is less than a month after all of that finally wrapped up, Another development that was rezoned to move forward filed a lawsuit against the township after a referendum petition began circulating for it. So that happened in January. Was that this before was, it ever got on the ballot, just when the petition went out? Yes. So this is regarding... How can you, how can you sue... So this is regarding Curry Farm. So the thing about it is if a referendum petition is circulating, it reverts to the initial, initial zoning. So that's what Mac was talking about that this whole Marysville development could be stalled another year because although I know yours is in regard to an annexation, but in the context of Jerome Township, although the trustees rezone these to be planned development, once that petition starts circulating, it goes back to rural residential. So the developers sued saying, you're stalling our development. And this was Curry Farm. It's a hundred home development on US 42. So then in April, a couple months later, Jerome Township approved a consent decree in agreement with that developer to approve the the rezoning of the land and the development plans. They changed some buffering issues. That was the main issue there, but essentially approved it as the development was, just changed the buffering along roads. So when that issue was on the ballot this past May, May 2022, it was moot. Right. It was on the ballot and residents voted to strike down the rezoning. The referendum basically won, but the issue was an agreement was already come to. So it didn't matter at all. It was just too late for the Board of Elections to take it off of the ballot. I think 
when you look at at this in Marysville, you may have potentially a similar situation where you have because there is a year between when the when the referendum will actually be filed and when people will be voting for it, a lot can happen in a in a year. So it may be on the ballot, but just I think it goes to show what's happened in Jerome Township that developers saw a way to overcome this referendum process. Um, and it's interesting that there's I don't want to call it a loophole because it is in Ohio revised code right. that township trustees can overturn a referendum election result. But it kind of is a loophole for developers. And I think in a township like Jerome, a 13.4 million settlement is pretty threatening. Mm-hmm. That could tank them, you know. So when they see, I know a lot of residents said, you know, you need to stand up to them. If we're making our voices known, you're supposed to represent us. But I think the trustees are put in a tough position as well because in order to serve the residents, they need to have the funding to do that. So it is really interesting how this has gone on, but I can certainly see future developments that face referendum petitions or foresee themselves going to the ballot, which happens with almost every residential development in Jerome Township, saying, okay, well, if this rezoning is overturned, we'll just sue the township. Yeah, I'm really torn on that because, like, I'm not an anti-development person, but to just come back and, and to have such, I don't want to call it an easy path, but, you know, when people vote so overwhelmingly and to have such a kind of easy path to kind of sidestep the referendum, you know, I don't know. The other problem becomes I don't like developments just being able to say, well, if... Is there, any, is there anything in place where if the trustees simply say, yeah, we're not in favor of this and we're not going to do it, can they sue, Can a development sue and say, well, it meets the character, it meets your plan? You know what I mean? Without, without – because there's a situation here where if the trustees say, well, this doesn't meet the character, you know, or, or they have some misgivings about a development – they vote down, then can a developer come in and try to steamroll their way? So I think the issue with, I totally understand what you're saying, but I think Ohio Revised Code only permits the trustees to turn down a development if it doesn't meet the comprehensive plan or if there's a public health concern related to it. And I think some of the residents perhaps see a public health concern differently than the trustees do. And I I think residents... What if it's a builder that's just... I mean, there have been builders in central Ohio that have had suspect reputations before. What if somebody comes through and they just think, hey, these guys have got some baggage trailing them along and we don't like the way they develop their communities and their homes and, and we'd like to wait for something better. They, they don't have a right to just say, yeah, we're just not in favor of, of, of this. I think um, a, a half a step back and then I'll talk about that, but I think – Kayleen hit on a point of, I think residents think the trustees have a lot more ability to say no than they do. Unfortunately, you're right that as long as it meets the character of the community and the comp plan and there isn't a public health risk, it, the, 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 generally the, the, People side with the landowner that as long as it as long as the landowner there's a willing buyer and a willing seller, as long as it doesn't it's not detrimental to the community, let them do what they want. I think the the argument to be made, or to your point, Chad, is to say, 
we want uh, quality homes, and this is not. But I didn't necessarily is, hear that in what they could. Well, no, choose not to approve. Well, I think in the you can say it doesn't meet the character or the comprehensive plan because in the comprehensive there are development standards, and yes. that was actually part of the. Um, consent decree with those four separate developers that the development standards that were established by Jerome Village, which township trustees see as kind of the peak of development in Jerome (laughs) as far as quality. You'd be hard for us to say Jerome Village isn't. mm -hmm. So future residential developments have to abide by those development standards. So I think that was maybe an effort to alleviate those concerns that moving forward the residential developments that come in do have high development standards to meet. But I think, you know, the the argument that the developers made in their initial lawsuit was that the residents who are filing referendum petitions see no growth as good growth. And they are not evaluating the merit of developments based on if they like the homes there, if it's in an area that they see is suited for residential neighborhoods. They have just adopted a mentality and I'm speaking, you know, right. based on the argument that was made by those developers that residents signing petitions to referendum things just think we don't want any more growth but in Jerome it's, Township. It's at 80 percent. It You're forcing something down a community's throat. If it's a close vote or whatever, and there's, you know, sometimes public officials have to make a decision a tough decision that's not popular. Mm-hmm. But if 80% of the people in a community or 80% of the voters say, we don't like that, we're not in favor of this, how do you then say, doesn't matter, it's what's best for you? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's interesting that that's how the Ohio Revised Code is written. Right. That if the elected officials see this agreement as fair and a judge overseeing it agrees, then they can overturn that. And I think, you know... The current board only has one sitting member that was there during this referendum lawsuit in 2021, and that's current trustee chair Megan Sloat. And after the first referendum that sparked all of this was approved, she her comment was, if this is the voice of the voters, then we're going to honor and respect that. So it was something that the trustees thought was good to come to the township, or at least met the standards that were in place. But the sentiment she shared was, you know, this is the voice of the people. And I think this whole lawsuit process has forced their hand to say, we're acting, not the people. So yeah, is, is it is it one of these deals where worst case scenario is they lose the original lawsuit and lose $13 million? Best case scenario is they win, but it's dragged out in court for so long mm-hmm. that they pay millions of dollars in attorney fees and, and still ultimately the township loses. And that is, um, that was the emotion and thought that one of the trustees that was formerly on the board shared after making this decision. Uh, trustee Joe Kraft said he just thought there was too much on the line to not settle. He said he felt that it could be dragged on. The township could continue paying exorbitant legal fees they could potentially be made to pay the legal fees of the developers and you know they're all using very high power larger city attorneys or they'll just like i said just drag it out like big companies have the ability with attorneys on retainer have the ability to drag a lawsuit out for five or ten years and that was his concern that if they were able to put into this agreement that jerome township was getting paid that was possibly the best case scenario that if we were going to wait 10 years spend a ton of money 
potentially lose anyways, we may as well take an agreement where one of those developers is going to pay us. Right. And I, I think to somewhat take the, the devil's advocate position here, um, this is why it's so vitally important to pay attention to the comprehensive plan mm-hmm. when it's being developed. That is the chance, the opportunity for a community to say, one, this is what we want in this area, and two, these are the standards we want. So we not only do we want homes, but we want well-made homes. We want brick homes or brick and stone. I don't we want think the, that matters, though. In Jerome, I don't think that matters. No. You could have said they were golden homes. and They just don't want homes. And that, I think, is the difference, um, ultimately, between Marysville's referendum and Jerome's referendum, because I— the argument that developers had and that developers were able to take to court was you just didn't care. You have referendumed everything and you have at this point created a pattern that you really don't care. It could have been a gold home versus Marysville where this is the first referendum that's been put on the ballot for development that anyone can remember at least. And to the point that city uh, law director Tim Austin Lanier and the the uh, Board of Elections, the city administrator have all said, uh, you know, we're looking at this because w- this is new territory. This is the first time we've done this. Now, you could see a pattern in the future if this is successful. Before we get to that, yeah. just to close out Jerome, though, so the so these trustees make that decision down there before we hop back to Marysville, mm-hmm. before we start getting the crystal ball out and predicting what happens to Marysville in the future— Let's get to the punchline of what happened in Jerome. Staring at the face of these, these powerful entities suing the township, a lengthy lawsuit win costing millions of dollars being the best case scenario. They take a settlement, make some make some additional concessions for the township, and what happened at the next election? And at the next election, the two trustees that were up were voted out. And right. I think and that, something so that's, just to to illustrate how strong the sentiment is in Jerome Township when they had that public hearing that's required after the consent decree was approved. One of the residents showed up and said, why are these two trustees even voting? We made it clear we don't want you here because they were already voted out. And I think this is such a poignant issue in that area that in the next referendum vote with that consent decree that happened in this May, someone showed up and yelled at trustee Megan Slow and said, why did you vote against the last, last consent decree and now you're on the side of the developers? The same thing's going to happen to you. And I think they're put in a very tough position Absolutely. because I can't say what the right decision or wrong decision is. And, you know, I don't want to speak on behalf of the residents or on behalf of the trustees, but it's almost an unwinnable situation because the trustees cannot act in an illegal way. Otherwise, that threatens the township. But acting on the guidance and emotions of the residents may also threaten the township from a legal perspective. So I think it's just really tough that development is happening rapidly there and there's such a strong anti-development sentiment. And I do want to be fair to a lot of the residents that come out and speak. Plenty of them have legitimate concerns or pointed issues about the developments that are coming, whether it's about landscaping, different barriers that are there, traffic concerns, you know, it's not always just we don't want any growth here. So I want to be fair to them. But there is 
there are a number of people that come out and say simply, you know, we're supposed to be a rural township. If we have 378 home developments, how rural are we anymore? And will explicitly say they just don't want any growth. So I don't want to, you know, paint with a wide brush and overlook the people who maybe are just concerned about something coming close to their home and there being no landscape barrier there because I completely understand that and I can see how people are emotionally invested and mm-hmm. would be upset by it. But there is a movement against growth Why too. do you want to play the middle there because you cover them and you see that stuff as somebody who doesn't do that and but reading it, I think I'm going to make a bit of an assumption here. The changing face of Jerome Township is that there is old Jerome and new Jerome. Mm-hmm. New Jerome is a growing and a large number of people, but I don't think they identify as Union County Regis. I don't think they vote. So what I think sometimes you get in Jerome Township is you get a very motivated voting longtime resident group of people that are organized and vote. I don't I don't think if you went door to door in Jerome Township and polled every single person, it'd be 80 percent. If they 85 percent. I don't think they would if they knew. I don't think all of Jerome Township has this anti-growth. But there's a mobilized group. But the group that votes Mm -hmm. is. And And you can see that very clearly in the fire levies. When you look at the precincts, the. The fire levy failed three times, and majority of the voters were coming from New California, right. which is Old Jerome. So I that think has you can, a fire station close that already yeah, has right. a fire station. <laughs> right. Correct. Yes. And the new fire station is going to be in Jerome Village. Yeah, the, fi- so, and the fire levy was to help fund operations at that new levy yes. at that new station. So Old Jerome didn't see the need for a new station. <laughs> they had one close Their to New California. Right. So I don't want to, well. you know. <laughs> get us on a tangent but to once again to amplify chad's point yeah in the paper we play these things right down the middle for this podcast though if we step back of it and offer and more what it kind of looks like and feels like opinion to it Mm -hmm. that's the nature of a podcast yeah and we have two different perspectives on it too and i totally see all the points you're making and but sitting in the meetings i can see the emotions that people have towards this and i don't want to be unfair to them and you know, they're seeing a lot of them, their hometown change, and I can totally see how that makes people emotional. It drives them to come out and speak in ways that aren't always just down the middle. Mm-hmm. So, and I only wanted to point that out because I think there's a there's a clearer division in Jerome mm-hmm. versus old and new than there is in Marysville. Yeah. So if you see that anti-growth sentiment in Jerome, I think it might be a smaller, more motivated voting pocket mm-hmm. I don't know if that translates over to Marysville, if this gets on the ballot. I don't know that absolutely everybody, the voting public in Marysville, is quite as disinterested as some of the people that don't vote in Jerome. I'm not saying that exactly right, but do you know what I mean? Yes, and I think the the evidence of that is that uh, Kayleen talked about that it was 85%, but it was still only 700 votes, right? Mm -hmm. So... When you look at the population and the the registered voters in Jerome Township, there's a lot more than 700, but only 700 of them took the t- took the effort right. to go out you and see vote. A d- if you see a Dublin school levy on the ballot, then watch how many people turn out and vote right. in Jerome, if, and you'll see New Jerome vote. Yes, if the, if there had been if there had been 2,000 voters come out to vote, I think I think it would have been you'd have still seen 500 no votes. I think everybody that wanted to vote no. 
showed up and voted no. Mm -hmm. And any anybody else would have been yes votes. And I think there is the difference that I think, you know, in Marysville, you don't have that this small group of really, really motivated folks and the rest that, of a disinterested. And people who have done it again and again. Yes. And I yes. think there's also a problem of, well, being community-minded. Okay, are you community, for a township, if you say, well, this is what's best for Marysville to make all of Marysville grow, that's a concept you can wrap your head around. In Jerome Township, you have an older motivated group voting against things. The new group, who maybe aren't anti-development, but they're already there. They don't really care. And I don't know that Jerome has a center where you can say, this is for the betterment of Jerome. Right. Like, you don't you don't have that argument about the community idea for the township. It's, yeah, we got our homes and we want to live here and be left alone. Or, you know, yeah, we just moved here for the schools in Dublin. But you don't have that idea of this is what's best for the community as a whole because – I think down there, what's best, what people vote with what's best for me right now. It's hard to argue that it's a community-wide right. betterment. Yeah. And I think for Marysville, and I, Terry Emery talked about it in our last podcast, they talk about it a lot during you know city council meetings, that you have development that has occurred north. They'd also like to see development happen on the west and essentially spread out the development so that all the development doesn't happen north. North right. is very north is very easy because there's a lot of land north, but but ultimately that doesn't maybe help the community. It's better if you know if if you create essentially a ring of growth around and that allows ser- city services to to access those homes and and school buses to access those and just that makes you a better. And I think just as people any person, it's hard to evaluate those scenarios from the perspective that the city or the township is because they're looking at themselves 50 years into the future. What do we need to continue to be thriving? And some people who, I mean, naturally, if you live here, well, in 50 years, I might not even be here. So why do I care about that? I care about traffic is miserable getting on. I have to go to work every morning and I don't want to sit at that light three more minutes because I missed this light cycle. I think I think it's interesting, though, when Marysville decided to, or when a referendum popped up at Marysville. Mill Valley, the Mill Valley area, and I will lump in Scott Farm area, have grown any number of times with expansions, you know, new developments. You know, we just had one across the road from Mill Valley that's that's getting going. Yeah. No referendum talk, right? So, but when you stick a large development on a formerly sleepy side of town where people were used to it being sleepy, that's when this comes up. And I think that goes back to this whole kind of new residents versus old. I think people in, in the Mill Valley area were used to that growth. They recognize they are new residents. Yes. You know, every, we, you know they, they are spurring changes to the the roadways out there and the exchanges on 33 yeah mm-hmm. and and they see it and the rest of the town says that's ah, just mill valley growing Let them yeah. do i don't go out there that much i don't even shop out there's nothing out there where i go to shop if they want to keep building houses out there until they're stacked six high on top of each other i don't care because i don't drive out there but whoa 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 
Mm-hmm. Now they're putting one out by me that might impact traffic over by Green Pastures or impact traffic as I go to the school to pick up kids at Bunsold right. or or things like that, you know, any number of things. Now now growth is a community problem. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a really interesting point because I think what was kind of shocking about this whole larger lawsuit around Jerome is when Jerome Village's subdevelopment got referendum because I think if it were just this little 40 home development on McKittrick Road in this area that just has larger residences with more land, then of course residents are upset. I've lived out on this farmland and seen nothing around me for a long time. But hey, now Jerome Village, which is seen as this new part of which had, which had been growing. It yes. was it's the Mill Valley of yeah. the Jerome area. Exactly. It had been growing anyway. People should have been used to that, but that one got stopped too. Mm-hmm. So now that's just an anti-growth sentiment. The the other thing that I think is important was that if Nationwide Realty which owns Jerome right. Village doesn't doesn't throw their hat in the ring. Uh, There's they, no concessions in the consent decree. That's exactly right. When when they when they walk into the ring, that's a game changer Be, because the county may or the the township may have been able to say, "Hey, we'll we'll wait it out. We'll go financially toe to toe a little bit with this developer or this developer." Mm-hmm. But when Nationwide Realty steps into the ring, well, yeah. now we're up against a foe that that really could drag this out for years and and could bankrupt us even if we win mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna take it so they were already here it's not like they're gonna pick up and leave right they already had so much money invested in that area they weren't going anywhere and and yeah they're just so big that mm-hmm. so with that being said so it, you look at how things played out in Jerome one led to another led to another led to them referendum trying to throw a referendum on Jerome Village which was already there in having just kind of an informal meeting about something else right after this referendum idea came about we were talking to a couple of mac and i were talking to a couple of city officials and said you know just informally hey you know you've seen what jerome what happened out in jerome if there's one referendum on deck and it's successful you might as well plan on more you know there'll be a handful more coming because one the framework's there People learn how to do it, you know. So does, you know, let's say this referendum gets on. Let's say they vote to stop this. And then whatever happens with that, do you start looking at these developments over on the Mill Valley side where people say, well, they were able to stop that. You know, what would stop us from being able to overturn these decisions? I think, and I don't know that the whole town is like this, but there's definitely an anti-growth sentiment in Marysville. You know, mm-hmm. everybody wants to be the last person that moved into an area, you know. Shit to do it Nobody else should. I hate all these people moving in, you know. I bought here a year ago. Right. I'm, I'm, two years ago, I moved here from right. Worthington, so I wouldn't have to put up with all these so, people. So, you know, do they start throwing referendums on here, there, and everywhere all over town? Does, does city council have to start looking over their back about every decision they make? Because, look, referendums aren't just there to stop houses from coming. Mm-hmm. You can referendum pretty much any decision a board makes. The one that the one that I look at that um, I think you are I think you're right and I think there is a fear and there certainly should be a fear that that's what happens. And and I'm with you on I'm very torn because I don't know that anyone would fight harder for the right of the citizenry to 
have their voice heard on as many decisions as possible. But I also understand the the danger of referenduming everything. And I look at um, recently Councilmember Hank Burby made a, a proposed roundabout that was included in the 2023 budget, the centerpiece of his no vote on the budget. And what would be concerning is if a group of citizens said, we don't like that roundabout that's going in on 31. And in an effort to stop that roundabout, the only mechanism we have to stop that roundabout would be to vote no on the budget. How do you vote no on a budget? How do you how do you vote no on a budget that's in place until November I, when you vote on it? I think there's the it's problem. It's an annual budget. I, I, I understand that, but you see the— No, if, there's got to be a—you can't—what, <laughs> the city just closes up shop until we can vote in November? I, I don't know. I don't know. But— but if they don't like that, if they don't like that traffic circle yeah. and they have they feel they have no other options to stop that. And again, if if a city council member can vote no on the budget because of he doesn't like that traffic circle, what what stops the citizenry from saying we don't like that traffic circle either? And this is the only mechanism we have. So we're going to try to put a, a hold on the on the city budget. And at that point. You force them to, I suppose, the answer is, all right, we will maybe go ahead and pull that out. But at that point, you have a very small group of citizens making all of the decisions for the budget. You start putting monkey wrenches in a bunch of city operations. Absolutely. I think another issue becomes, you know, if you look what happened in Jerome, the referendum went on. They were approved. Concessions were made. The developer ponies up more money. If this referendum goes through and gets approved and the same track is held, this developer on 245 has already offered up $3 million. I doubt they're going to want to make a whole lot more concessions to try to get this thing overturned. They, they've kind of put their best foot forward right off the bat. Yes. So... Devil's advocate again. Mm -hmm. If I'm the next developer that wants to build something around here, and I know this referendum issue came up in Marysville, why would I offer anything? Why would, or maybe I offer a token? If if I'm willing to go to three million dollars of infrastructure improvements, why wouldn't I offer a million? Because the residents are just going to referendum it, and to get it moving forward, I'm going to have to make additional concessions. Right. At that point, you say, okay, here's my three million dollars, and everybody goes away happy when. You'd have given them the $3 million right away, but... And with Curry Farm, which is that development that came in and filed a separate lawsuit after the first one was approved, this actually kind of played out in Jerome because this individual with the development company held multiple public meetings with residents and found out that they really wanted more park improvements. So they decided to give $50,000 to improve Harry Wolf Park in Jerome Township. No restrictions on it, just kind of a bonus for letting our development come into your town and then once they referendumed it the developer came in and he said you know this has proven to me there's no point in working with the neighbors so I think and it was interesting because residents would come up and actively speak against this development and say 
you know, I just want to be clear. We have no issue with him. We really like that he sat down with us and we like that he made concessions and told us this, but we don't want it here. So ultimately, and they he said, made other concessions as well, as far as like some infrastructure for a turn lane as yeah. well. So he yanked it off the table. He didn't yank it off the table, but he said moving forward, he doesn't see a point in working with the neighbors because giving them what they want doesn't make them any more favorable. What to they your... want is him to go away. Mm-hmm. So I think to speak to how Jerome may display a pattern of what could happen elsewhere, that already played out there. Right. <laughs> that's a that's a dangerous game to play because I know the city wants developers to put their best foot forward right off the bat so you know what you're dealing with when you try to make the decision. But as a developer, you're like, I can't put all my cards out there. Right. Because, because if this happens, you know... A year ago, this area was developer-friendly. This referendum goes forward if it's successful. Now developers have to start looking at Marysville like, you know what, I I can't put all my cards out there. I've got to have a couple left to play if they decide to put this thing on the ballot and try to overturn it. I look at at Plain City 20 years ago, and and, um, I had the benefit of covering Jerome for almost 15 years before uh, mercifully Kayleen came in and and started covering Um, but you know I covered Plain City and they had a series of referendums in a row a group uh, called the Citizens Concerned About Our Town and it was called the CCAT and they came in um, a referendum several several different things in a very short span and what happened then was that slammed the brake on all development. And it took 15 years before you started to see any development. And the city, uh, excuse me, Plain City um, offered a ridiculous discount on tap-in fees. They said, uh, hey, we'll give you almost willing to to give tap, tap fees away in an effort to spur development that, because they had... That one happen, 100% happens. Like, but, developers start... Marysville had an, an administration, mm-hmm. a mayor at one point that some people were saying, well, we're growing too fast. And he put, up more, he put down a moratorium on growth in Marysville. And same deal. Like, after that, one, then it became Marysville just had this black X on it to mm-hmm. developers. And even after that moratorium was removed... It took a long time for Marysville to pick up steam again. You know, that's why if this referendum was a one-off and you thought, well, this is a very specific thing and a very specific complaint and the developer's really not meeting the needs. But when the big complaint is traffic and they're putting two and a half million up front into correcting traffic, okay, you, you don't have any choice but to look at this as an anti-development, an anti-growth referendum. And if more of these keep coming, like the damage it can do, I, and I get it's the will of the people, but also you hire professionals and you elect people to make these hard decisions for you. I hope those officials at least, and if people, if 10 years from now, if citizens of Marysville have voted down a million things with referendums, that's fine. But I hope the city at least figures out the right way to put their vision out there. Because you've got to motivate people that are in favor of growth to come out, not just the people who are against it. I mean, there are a lot of people that are just 
more passive because, hey, I like the way things are. I think everything's okay versus the people that are passionately against things. So I think the city really needs to take that message to people, the, sell that idea of community, the idea of, look, this is good for all of us. The idea that, you know why your property taxes just went up 30%? Because there weren't enough available houses. Getting more houses on the market allows the housing market around here to correct itself and prices to come down so your taxes don't go thir- up 30% every time they're revalued. I think it's that. I think you also have to have, <clears throat> on the city's end, you have to have a conversation that incorporates what, you know, because as we said, obviously the people who are against this are already motivated. Um, but even having a conversation with them, like in the case of this 245 thing, it's like, okay, so they're contributing this money to infrastructure improvements, to traffic. We've talked about on here and before how that area is a little bit odd in terms of its uh, sort of freeway on and off ramp kind of layout. So it's like, okay, well, is is $2 million, $3 million enough to fix the problem that's out there? They're currently looking at what, like traffic lights and things like that. Is, you know, do the, do the residents not feel that's sufficient? Do we need something bigger, like a bigger project? But it's like you can't ever get to that consensus if you don't have the conversation beyond, we just don't want it. Yeah. We don't want you to do this. I know one of the city officials had said at one of the public meetings that someone said, the first person that dies out there in a traffic crash, we're going to send the bill to you. Which was met with silence, but in private, he said, well, we're trying to get traffic improvements. This developer is going to pay for the light at that dangerous intersection that will hopefully stop anything like that from helping. Yes, from happening be, again. there will be more cars there, but the entirety of the intersection will be safer for not just those more cars, but the cars that already navigate that area. Um I think the other fear and the the thing that needs to happen is um, you need to, the city needs to kind of be able to have these conversations with folks. Because even if you have, if you have a dozen referendum attempts and all of them um, kind of come out, no, we like what the city's doing, eventually developers will stop coming anyway because they know every project is going to be be delayed a year just through the process. Eventually, it'll get approved, but but that year is expensive. I think if a few of these went down, though, I mean, it takes a lot of legwork. And I'm not trying to diminish what the people with the referendum are doing. That's why there is a process to put referendums on. I would hope that these are, are... are pro are issue by issue and not just that's what we're going to put too. the brakes on yes to everything here but i do think if a couple of those fail or maybe even just this one fails you know if they get it on the ballot and you know 60 percent of the voters say yeah no we're not voting for that because i i was at the christmas parade i saw some people with the petition that didn't want to sign it you know, I, I don't I don't get the feeling living in this town that everybody's against growth. I think some people, they want it measured. They want it spread out. They want it to kind of pay for itself. And any issues it creates, they want to develop, you know, don't just come in here and make money off our backs. You know, make the town bigger and better, but help improve it also. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that if a few of those fail, maybe those efforts do start to go away unless there is a real specific problem with 
with some development or a decision the city makes in regard to that. And I, I see what you're saying, and I, I am I am with you. I hope that's correct. My fear as I look at this is I would have initially when this plan, when Stillwater came up, I was I would have said, hey, this is a bad idea because to add 600 homes to that area with no infrastructure improvements, that's a bad idea. And I think anybody could have looked at that and said, that's a bad idea. Um, and then even when the, the developer offered to make some improvements, but ODOT wouldn't let them, I thought, I think it's probably a good idea if they overturn it or if they don't accept this. But the 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 you know the addition of three million dollars to rectify those problems is a game changer, and so I worry that it's not again it's not about traffic it's not issue by issue this is this is a no growth yeah. sentiment and and I think I think for certain people in this in this movement it is the problem and as we've talked before is that it's it's a lot easier to yell you know no more growth. And have people accept that, you know, and, and that's a real easy Something to concept behind. to get behind. Yeah. It's a lot harder to say, yeah, but here's why it's necessary. You know, and it helps balance right spot, housing right? prices. It mm-hmm. helps do this. They're helping improve a an already existing traffic issue. And, you know, residents on the second ring around a growing area like Columbus, like areas, they're going to grow you just have to manage it and, and make it pay. You know, we have a plan for this. We're working that plan. You just, in some respects, have to trust your officials. You know, that's that's a harder sell. That's a lot harder to to put on a poster <laughs> and, and get people to get behind. And that would be the challenge I would have for for city officials. Honestly, anybody with with a with any skin in the game for growth in this area, whether it be economic development, chamber of commerce, you know, even to some extent, it impacts the county. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you're if you're a property owner, as you look at as you look at the ring around the city, you can identify there are a couple property owners that are in line for, you know, to sell their property within the next, you know, whatever decade. And if I were them, I would be interested in and I, I have skin in the game to make right. sure that but then I have the say and they just you know it in total fairness to find out what the residents actually need they have to put out a clear concise message of why this is necessary and why you know maybe people shouldn't vote for this referendum if it gets on the ballot because I know there was some some discussion among city officials that uh, along the lines of well, is it our job to try to pass, to try to defeat a referendum? You know, we work at the pleasure of people. We do our job and, okay, if they put this on and vote against it, do we just let it happen organically? And I think, well, the people elected you or pay you to do what you think is best for the city. If you're doing that, you should take that message to people. If you're truly doing what you think is best, Put that out there to people, and then let them decide. I don't think that's that's not propaganda. It's it's not even a campaign. It's like you. It's, clearly, a, real, it's a real conversation. Clearly, you supported this as administration. Clearly, most of you as city council supported this. Okay, if, explain why. Explain right. what it was 
right. you know, in November that made you think this is a worthwhile, this is a benefit for the for the community and hope that message resonates. I've spent a lot of time stewing over in my own head, is it the city's job to try to to defeat this referendum and, and um I've I've bounced back and forth. I really have on on this and um I'm all in on people's right to referendum. I mean, that's the the frustrating thing. But I think it's but I think it's also disingenuous to just say they're going to put 600 homes out there and all those cars are going to be driving all over your streets and it's going to be the Indy 500 right. out there. Right. Without new residents without the other side of, you know, well there's two and a half million dollars of infrastructure improvements coming with it to fix all of those things. And I just I don't I hope the city doesn't fight the posters that say no more growth with a flyer that has 2,000 words on it that nobody's going to read. You know what I mean? They're going to have to have a message, and, and people are going to have to be able to understand it quickly and concisely, you know, to believe that, look, this is this is a necessary thing if, if they want to get that that message out there and have a fair vote. When, and, I think you know, the, the proposition, the propaganda, I think, of, well, you, you're going to have 600 new home, new cars, and they're going to be driving all over. I'm not saying, I'm no, not saying that's happening. No, I, I know. I didn't, I didn't want to make it sound like misinformation is out there being spread. But it's if very easy to say no new growth and people to pick that up and, and run with it wherever it may go without actually having all the facts. Yeah. And maybe on the city's end, um, maybe the you know framing it as even defeating it or fighting it is not even necessarily the way to approach it. Maybe the way to approach it is like, well, yes, maybe you have this feeling, but here's why maybe you could look at it a different way or this is how it would benefit you as a citizen. This is how it would benefit us. Not so much as that. Yeah. More education than it is a fight between government and residents, but more of a kind of like, we felt that this was right. And here's why you may still disagree with us at the end of it, but at least we're telling you that we're making decisions based on discussions and thought and all of these kinds of things versus just, well, we want this. So, you know, because that whole thing is, you know, growth is bad. The counter that of, well, because, you know, I've heard – we've heard be it elected officials or whoever, you know, conversely say, well, no, growth is good. And it's like that's equally unhelpful. Right. You have to have <laughs> – a- there's, But there's nobody around here uh, – there's probably nobody in the referendum movement, though, that looks at Marion or maybe even Kenton or somewhere like that that has had declining population sure. and says that's the kind of town I want to live in. Right. No, nobody looks at Marion and says that. Right. Nobody goes, you know what, you know who we need to be like, Marion. No. Y'all said we don't you, want to be Dublin. You need no. The, the only but, problem but, but, is but, the right. opposite is very much part of the conversation though, is it's not just that it's growth. It's, yeah, you it's, don't it's big growth. I, I understand it, but you know, if a wave is hitting you, you can either <laughs> ride it. Yeah. Or it can smack you in the face and drag you under and drown you. Yeah. Which I think I, I think it's better to get on top of it and ride it. I, I think that's what, lo- you know, I, from the local government's perspective, I think that's what they're trying or what they think they're doing. Right. So I it's agree. like, and that's what I'm saying. Teach right. yourself to surf, get a surfboard and take advantage right. of, take advantage of that wave to get you where you want to go. Not just, which is try to fight the wave, and which maybe, is what 2.3 million, $2.5 million worth of in- infrastructure exactly improvement right. is, is, the ability to ride that wave and not just get, you know, I think people look at the origins of Mill Valley and how it was kind of, when it first came, it was really kind of thrown together pretty quick. And there were some undeniable traffic problems mm-hmm. out there and they want to just hold that over the city's head. You know, well, you know, it's going to be like that and you're going to just do it like that. And it's just, you know, all over the place. And it's going to be another, you know, Mill Valley mess. Mm-hmm. But the city learned from that. That was they 30, learned, 30 years right. ago. They learned 
this stuff is happening in real time. How to manage growth. They learn how to make developers pay for the roadways that are needed to get the people in and out safely. They learn from that. You're, you're holding people accountable for things. One, they weren't on, they weren't working for the city or, you know, elected then. And the city has learned from that. And that is why they now have leveraged this infrastructure money out of other developers. Yeah. That, that is the, the frustrating thing, and I, I hear that over and over again, is, well, we don't want another Mill Valley. And administration and city council says, you're right, we don't, so we're going to to do this as opposed to just getting getting blown over, and that's, that's where they are. Yeah, I, I think it's just interesting. I've thought about this a lot, considering it's been like the past two years of <laughs> my writing has been a lot of this. But I think it the whole thing... The point that I think about a lot is that in the initial lawsuit against the township, the claim from the plaintiffs was that zoning is broken in the area. And when residents came out to refute it, they agreed, yeah, zoning is broken. We just think in a different way. And I think that puts the trustees and residents in a really tough position because you want to honor the voice of the people. And like you said, Mac, you want an opportunity for people to say, no, the people that we elected, I don't think they're representing us in the way that I want them to. Like there needs to be that mechanism there. But I think it is dangerous when people don't want to listen to the other side anymore. And I think in Jerome, a lot of times it's come to a point where there's a reason this is an issue that people are very passionate about, very emotional. And I don't want to detract from that at all because people should be involved in their communities. They should care what's going on. But I think sometimes emotions flare so much that we'll overlook something good because we'd rather just be where we are. So, but, and, and it's another thing we talk about in the newsroom a lot. Like we just talked about the comprehensive plan or when they do zoning updates mm-hmm. in Marysville. I know when Leon's was doing their upgrades, the residents didn't like it and the problem was that well was a year or two years prior to that when the zoning codes were updated that area was made business and business residential same with the sheets the time to stop these things Mm -hmm. if you truly want to insulate your neighborhoods you've got to get involved in zoning Mm -hmm. the planning of zoning and comprehensive Mm -hmm. plans that's how you set up what the character of your community is if you come in and yell afterwards well you're, you're trying to stop the train. You're already on it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Right. That's always sure? the question. I mean, the county has a comprehensive plan uh, information out there right now. And but it's not sexy. You know? Well, it's not sexy. That's you what I'm saying. Like, you right. can't get people to care you, about zoning and comprehensive plans. Until they see a schematic of a sheet and a, and a five-point roundabout, then they're mad. Yeah. yeah. And just to, to speak to that, I know Union County has their comprehensive plan out. Jerome Township has an RFQ for their comprehensive plan rewrite out right now plain city has spent a good part of the last year working on their zoning code rewrite and i think it's been encouraging in plain city i've seen a lot of residents come out and hear what they have to say and they've made a lot of changes and they thought they were at the point to approve it and then they thought you know what there's more that we need to do and i think that's been people are making their voices heard and that will change the future of the village and i really hope the same thing happens for jerome township given how heated of an issue this can be I hope people see hey we're rewriting this and 
maybe if the comprehensive plan was a little different, every single thing wouldn't need a referendum. I would I would hope some new Jerome comes out to help with that also. That, that, that old that. Jerome doesn't come out and just say, no. build, out, build the wall. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Stop it now. Farmland as far as you can see. Yeah. Um, Marysville, when Marysville approved their uh, zoning code, their new zoning code, they, they were poised. It was a year-long process. They were poised to approve it. And then citizens came out and said, no, there are things that we still don't like. And they created an ad hoc committee. And it was, I believe, almost a year even of that committee of citizens. This wasn't council and the planning commission working on it. This was a group of, I believe, 40 citizens or so working on here. Here are the the specific things. And that was the time. When I look at sheets, I again, I don't like where the sheets is, but I recognize that's that area was zoned specifically for you know for this type of of improvement and so no the time to speak up was when you were zoning it so i'm with you this is why it's so important to pay attention to the the routine the stuff that isn't sexy because it impacts our lives especially if you're on the outskirts of marysville you know the city will tell you exactly what it's got planned for the future of your area if you look at how it's zoned. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like that, you know, anything could move up to your back door. If you're in town, you kind of know, it's part of the game, you know, the character of your neighborhoods or yeah. whatever. But then you're, if you're on the outskirts of Marysville, that undeveloped land could be anything. I remember, do you remember seeing the Dublin comprehensive plan when we looked at it? And it had it was annexation all the way up to Harry Wolf Park. Yeah. And right. Yeah. Harry Wolf Park was a Dublin City Park in their comprehensive plan. Mm-hmm. This would have been what fifteen years ago. And yeah. that sparked some some change and some negoti right, some negotiations mm-hmm. between the township and Dublin is to yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Some whoa. resolutions mm-hmm. the trustees saying we will not annex anything to Dublin. Right. But yes. And Marysville got in there and controlled some of the water rights. The, the, and, yes, that was a big like thing. That. So Former Union County Sheriff Dublin City Park. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. No, I remember that was jarring. There was a spur all the way, mm-hmm. all the way up that far. Yeah. The township yeah. building was, in, was inside the city of Dublin and Harry Wolf Park was in the city of Dublin. So, Right. All right, well, that's going to be the show for this week. Thank you guys for all the good information. And thanks to our sponsor, Axiona Energia, for sponsoring the podcast. We appreciate everyone listening. If you like what you hear, please be sure and subscribe to the show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and lots of other places where podcasts are available. So be sure to tune into the show next week, and we'll see you on Thursday.